Notice Jesus' use of adjectives today. Not just a square meal, our Lord says, not just a full plate and a balanced sort of a thing, but mega, Jesus says, a mega banquet, a great banquet. Such is the way that Christ our Lord images forth his kingdom and the kingdom of his Father. He calls it in Greek a daipnon mega. And you don't need to go to seminary to figure out what mega means, do you? It means a whole lot. This is the way Jesus speaks of his kingdom. His kingdom is not small. His kingdom is not even decent. His kingdom isn't okay. His kingdom is not one thing among others. The kingdom of Jesus is mega. It is a mega feast. Note well the adjectives that Jesus uses, for what our Lord gives us is not just a square meal or a bite of simple bread. Jesus has prepared for us a great banquet. And it's not even that Jesus just said this maybe one time or two times. You know, Jesus did like to employ hyperbole from time to time. You know how he said, if your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Jesus wasn't a stranger to exaggerating things to make a point. But throughout his ministry, Jesus speaks of his kingdom in grand terms. A great king gives a wedding feast for his son. Many shall come, Jesus says, from east and west to recline, that is to feast at table. Enter, he says, into the joy, into the merrymaking feast of your master. And he promises disciples, I will drink wine with you, right? Not water, not milk, but I will drink wine with you anew in my father's kingdom. See, with Jesus, it is never a matter of nice things, decent things, pretty good things, things that you said, well, that's not bad. No, with Jesus, the adjectives are mega. Great is his banquet. We are quite used to thinking, aren't we, along these lines about the future. After all, we know the passage, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it even entered into the hearts of men the good things, the mega good things that God has in store for those who love him. That's way off in the future, right? Someday we'll come to those things. Someday it'll be some feast, won't it? Blessed is everyone, that man said at the table, who will someday eat bread in the kingdom. Right, Jesus? So spoke one of those table fellows of Jesus. And he's not wrong, is he? Blessed indeed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But that man's sense of timing needed an adjustment. And maybe yours does too. It was that statement about some day, about some time far off, about some distant great day that got Jesus talking about excuses. A field, a team of oxen, a wife. Please, they all sound so nice, don't they? So well-mannered. They all sound so polite. Please, have me excused today. Can you connect these dots with Jesus? A man speaks about some future blessed hope, and Jesus starts thinking about present warnings. Why? 
Well, maybe, right, maybe the food was just a little bit spicy, and so our Lord's answer had a little bit of heat to it. Maybe something didn't sit right with him, or maybe he was just a little bit irritable that day. Or, or, or maybe there is some danger in that man's statement that our Lord wants to root out. What has future blessedness, think this morning, what has future blessedness to do with polite enough sounding excuses? And if you can't figure it out, well, then try this this week. Ask someone if they'd like to go to heaven someday, wait for their answer, and then invite them to church. Or better, better, before you go looking for the speck in your neighbor's eye, look for the beam in your own. Ask yourself that question this morning. Do you see the point? Who wouldn't jump at the invitation to the blessedness of heaven? The answer is obvious. We all want to be there. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread someday. Oh, Lord, I want to be in the number when the saints go marching in someday, right? Someday. Who wouldn't jump at that invitation? And yet, and yet, how many share that interest when it comes to the call of Christ today. When it comes to the call of Christ today, suddenly, suddenly, when we're talking not just about far-off, distant, future possibilities, about tomorrow, tomorrow, there's always tomorrow, but when we start talking about today, here and now, well, then the excuses start to bubble up, don't they? See, I would, but, well... I've got a few things to put in order first. I've got this opportunity that I don't want to miss out on. I've got to work on this thing or that thing. I'd really love to, but see my family. I'd really love to, but see, I've already got plans, and I've got these friends, and they might not understand. Please, though, have me excused. It's true, isn't it? That sometimes the call of Christ to faith in him is met with open hostility. Sometimes people are just absolutely angry with Jesus. Or sometimes the invitation to faith, the call to believe in the gospel, kind of bounces off people's ears, right? What did Jesus say? Like a seed on the stony path. But I think it's much more common, at least in our time, tragically common, that the invitation to the mega feast of the kingdom of faith is met with, well, I'd like to someday, but... Not right now. Maybe next time, though. And isn't that, isn't that revealing? For what are excuses? Excuses are statements about what we would prefer. Excuses are statements about what we love more or about maybe what we are loyal to more. What has more of a demand on our time, on our interest, on our heart? Excuses, we might put it this way, reveal to us which, which feasts we prefer. Now, Jesus came preaching the kingdom, and what happened was the church. That's a famous quote. I don't know if it's famous, but it's a quote from a scholar who was using that statement to kind of give voice to the disappointment that he sensed and that maybe you share in the present experience of the kingdom of God. Where is this mega feast, pastor? Where is this great banquet? Where is the wedding supper? Where is wisdom's table where we can all sit down? Do you really mean to say this is it? 
All is prepared through the death, through the resurrection, through the ascension, through the giving of the Spirit, and all is this. See, the feast of Christ's kingdom is a feast that can only be seen by faith. It is the feast of faith. It is the all-encompassing reality that cannot be taken in through our human senses. It is the totality of a life under the gracious reign and rule of God the Father. And so this feast can't be seen. It can't be seen because it is more than meets the eye. Your eyes have to be opened. Your eyes have to be enlarged. Your heart has to be opened because naturally you won't see the things that Jesus speaks of. This feast is more than meets the eye here in this place. It is what meets the ear, we might say. It is what meets the ear and comes into the heart through faith by the words and promises of Jesus. For it is his words, it is his words and his promises that give new sight so that we might see things the way they really are through him. Now, those who excused themselves had reasonable enough enough excuses, didn't they? They supposed that they could find another or a better feast. Or they supposed that there'd be another invitation, that the call would come again tomorrow or next week or next month. In a field with a new purchase, they supposed they might find better riches. With a new family, they supposed they might have a better time than at the great feast of the master. The great banquet, in short, wasn't really worth it to them. Not now, at least. Maybe someday. But later, never came. None of those who are invited shall taste of my banquet turns out that this master of the feast is not the kind of guy to be trifled with, to be put off. It turns out that his banquet call is not just to a mega banquet, but it is mega important. It is not one thing among others. How could it be? What Jesus is speaking about is God. And can we really sit here and say, I have more important things to do than listen to God? Our minds naturally and quite rightly apply this parable to church attendance, don't they? And that's certainly part of what Jesus is talking about, but it's not the whole. It is part of what Jesus is talking about because faith lives, doesn't it, on the means of grace. Faith lives on the means of grace that are accessible to us in worship. Faith lives on the preaching of God's word in our ears. Faith lives, it is nourished, it is strengthened by the eating of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so to make Sunday service set apart is certainly a proper application of this parable. Put it this way, the Lord's day is for the Lord's things, his name, his house, his word, his people, his supper. And if that's too long to remember, then just think of it this way. Church is the excuse, right? Church is the excuse to miss everything else. Church isn't just one thing among others because it is here in this place that Christ our Lord comes to us now, today, Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, but Jesus says, I would be with you today. I will speak with you today. I will give wisdom to you today. I will teach you insight today, and I will feed you with a mega banquet today. 
Yes, the Lord's day and your participation in the Lord's things, his house, his praise, his people, the fellowship of this place and his supper is certainly, certainly a significant part of Jesus's parable. But you know, don't you, that Sunday is not the whole of the Christian life. And Jesus is speaking of the whole enchilada. He is speaking of mega things today. Sunday is the first day of the week. It is the token. It is the pledge of what will follow throughout the rest of the week. And so Jesus is speaking about the banquet should make us think certainly of Sunday, but of the whole life of faith. And isn't it interesting that Jesus says, not only when you sit down in my house are you coming to a great banquet, but the whole Christian life, Jesus wants you to imagine, faithfully imagine, the whole totality of your Christian life, that life of faith, that life of repentance even, that life of love and sacrifice. Jesus says the whole thing is a banquet. The whole thing is a gift. That great, that mega banquet that Jesus speaks of today in the parable is all of life. The kingdom of Jesus extends over every day of the week, and he calls us to a perpetual feast, to an ongoing feast, to the feast of faith and love. The feast of repentance and forgiveness. The feast of wisdom. The feast of wisdom taught and tested and gained through experience. This is what Jesus is speaking about today. And he says that it all starts, it all starts by not making excuses. It all starts by recognizing that there is nothing greater than this call, that there is nothing more important for you to be doing than hearing the voice of Jesus. There is no place that can lay hold to your time. There is no master who you owe more than God. That is what we call the fear of the Lord. You heard it put that way in our Old Testament reading. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And on Father's Day, it's good for us to dwell a little bit on fear. Fathers should bring fear to our minds. And I don't just mean the fear of punishment. Yes, it's true that fathers need to discipline their children to, collect, to correct them. It should at least strike a note of fear, some sense of fear, if mom says, just wait till dad gets home. But the fear of the Lord that God speaks of is not the fear of discipline. It is not the fear of terror. It is not the fear of a slave that is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord that scripture speaks of is the, is the fear that a son has for a father. The fear that a son has for a father who loves him. Because isn't that what the great banquet shows you? In very vivid depiction, you see a master of the hall who wants his hall to be filled, who doesn't care whether it's poor and crippled and lame and blind people who come in. He just wants the place full. And he doesn't want it full because he's egotistical, right? God is not sitting up in heaven saying, I wish they would praise me louder. I wish they could praise me more. He doesn't need anything from us. Imagine that, right? God sitting up in heaven saying, oh, I need them to recognize me. I need them to love me. God is not in need of you. He has this great banquet because he wants to give you something. He wants to give you his love. He wants to give you his grace. He wants to give you his life. He is the Father par excellence. Fathers don't really care what they get on Father's Day, do they? 
Now, I've said to you before from this pulpit that I want things. I want quantity over quality. But I only say that stuff just to joke around with my kids. What fathers want on Father's Day is to be with their children. What fathers delight in on Father's Day is to be surrounded by their children and to give them joy. I have no greater love than to see my children walking in the ways of the Lord. And our Heavenly Father has no greater joy than for you to be at his banquet, for you to be at his banquet every Sunday morning, and for you to be walking in his ways every day of your life. That's the fear of the Lord, that recognition that our Father loves us with a love that makes our earthly Father's love seem very small. That is the kind of fear, that recognition that we need our fathers to show us. And here's what's so wonderful about being a father. You know the best way that you teach your children, you dads, and I'm not just talking to those of you who have little kids. You know how you teach your kids as a father? Through what you do. Kids listen. Yeah, they listen to be sure, but they watch. And sons imitate So you fathers, you want to teach your children wisdom? Teach them the fear of the Lord. Show them what it looks like to fear the Lord's name. Show them what repentance looks like when you slip and fall. Show them what it means to honor God's name above every other name. Show them what it means to honor the Lord's house, to delight in the things of God more than you delight in oxen and fields and even more than you delight in your own family. For if you do that, if you do that, then you will give to them a gift that will never be taken away. You will give them the beginning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But with the Lord, things always grow. After all, what did Jesus say about his banquet? It is mega. To Christ be the glory now and always. Amen.